shotglassdigital.com. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, it's one big giant segment of Pass the Corn. We welcome Aaron Schoenweiss in, my brother from another mother, to geek out about the movies we love and hope we'll love. On this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you as we have a jam-packed show for you. It's all about passing the corn. And to help us do that, uh, we're going to bring him in with some music, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's Pass the Corn with Aaron Schoenweiss. What's happening, Irish? Listen to this podcast if you want to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I am a friend of Steve Glasson. May I speak to him on the podcast, please? May I speak to Ah, what? Ah, chopper. May I... <laughs> Got to get into the Arnold thing. <laughs> get this podcast to the chopper. Get the podcast to the chopper. These podcast listeners need food. <laughs> they just want some food. <laughs> This is a podcast, not a tumor. <laughs> How's it going, man? Who is your podcaster and what does he do? Who's your podcast daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my friend. Oh, how's it going, brother? Obviously, we're going to be talking a little Arnold tonight. Oh, so. you better believe it. Right out of the gate here pretty soon. I We need to, before we move forward, I just want to say thanks to uh, everyone who supports us through the Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Those things are a really big help to all of the expenses we have as far as bandwidth and that sort of thing goes. And, of course, if you want to support us directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geek out loud and our featured supporter for this week is larry lopez larry has the power of invisibility so if you're ever in a crowd and you hear someone shouting for larry just know his work here is done 
That's our Patreon supporter of the week, Larry Lopez, and you can support us at Patreon uh, by going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. The business is now out of the way, Erish, and uh, I'm ready to talk some movies with you, dude. Let's uh, real quick look back at June. Uh, You said to me in an email, you feel like you have to eat a little bit of crow? I do a little bit, I think. Um, You know, when we did our June look ahead and... uh, Pixar's Inside Out came up. I had some questions about the movie based on, uh, you know, trailers that I'd seen and stuff. Clearly, the American public didn't have those same questions because <laughs> the movie has, uh, as of Sunday night, we're recording this on a Sunday night, and I'm just looking at box office reports for its second weekend. It's grossed $185 million. Wow. And critics' reviews are through the roof for it. It's uh, more so than any movie of recent memory. It seems to really have touched uh, touched the emotional spot with so many people, people, uh, particularly parents with young children. Yeah. To, uh, you know, the movies really uh, connecting with them. So I know Teresa from Disney Vault Talk has like put it in her top two or three Pixar movies. I see. I don't, it doesn't even make my top ten. Right. I think that uh, as well as it's doing, it just for whatever reason, it just didn't connect with me. Do you think that's because you're a grown man, not a little girl? No. Okay. Because I don't think it's a girls' movie. I think even though the main character is a girl, I think that you could easily change the girl for a boy, and it would essentially be the same movie. All right. Um, so uh, anybody who claims this is a girl's movie, I, I don't buy that. I think it's just it's a movie about growing up. Um, and I don't know. I just yeah. it, it missed on some things that I was hoping it wasn't going to that it was going to deliver on. Sure, sure. Well, I've not seen it yet. Uh, I don't have a nephew or niece of age yet to be carrying to the movie theater to go see a kid's movie. And, uh, and, and, you know, people usually, and I don't, and I don't want to borrow my friend's kids. You know, I'm like, you have this responsibility. You go do this. So I will probably catch it as it's out on video later, but I'm like you, I've heard nothing but good things, even though it doesn't look, I mean, it looks like obviously, you know, it's got a great cast and I could see where it will be funny. Um, but I, I just watched the, the, the trailer for the other Pixar movie that's coming out in November, the The good dinosaur. And there's a moment. There's no, there's nothing spoken, nothing happens, other than the asteroid that's supposed to hit the Earth just blows by overhead, right? And all the dinosaurs are sitting there eating grass and everything. They just look up and do like the take of like, what was that? And then they just yeah, go back that, to eating, and and it made me laugh out loud. That moment made me laugh out loud. I'm like, well, okay. And nothing that I ever saw in Inside Out did that. So in those trailers, so I, you know, I'm I. I am, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm looking forward to checking it out, but it's not. It hasn't been high on my priority list. Now, on the other hand, uh, Jurassic World still is leaving a huge footprint. See what I did there uh, at, yes. at the box office. Oh, number one again, third weekend in a row. It is uh, now the highest-grossing movie of the year. It has, uh, it's the fastest movie to 500 million dollars in North America. It's grossed 1.2 billion around the world. It's just a behemoth. Yeah, and and you know I'm I'm going to say this. I don't want to get too in depth about Jurassic World. I know a lot of people have been saying, "Hey, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that?" Can't wait to hear Geek Out Loud about it. 
I don't know that I'm going to devote a show uh, to Jurassic World. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I may have enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, but I came away thinking, you know, most of what we've seen in this movie, we've seen before. Yeah, I was very meh on it. Um, In particular, because most of the big, a lot of the big moments in this movie, we saw in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, yeah, you'd mentioned that to me. I'm like, really? Had we seen a a raptor riding the back of a Tyrannosaurus Rex going into battle? (laughs) No, we hadn't seen that, but I just I just felt like you know there's there's a moment at the beginning of the movie where the 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 owner of the park and the administrator and some of the employees are talking about how every few years they need to come up with a bigger battered dinosaur because the public just starts getting bored with it. Right. And I thought that that was a perfect uh metaphor for how I saw this movie. Oh, sure. Sure. I just the their bigger, badder dinosaur in this movie, I didn't think was any more bigger or badder than the big bad dinosaur we had in Jurassic Park Three. Right, the one with the spiny back. Yeah, the Spinosaurus. Okay, yeah, the yeah. Spi- is that what I, it was called, the Spinosaurus? Yeah, yeah, in, in JP Three. <clears throat> Whereas the one in Jurassic World, uh, what was it, Indominus Rex? Indominus Rex. Uh, I just. It was like okay, this is like almost the same thing that you gave us last time around. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a strange. I'm getting weird noises from my computer here. It, it's strange because I was so looking forward to this movie, um, that that is I and maybe I set my expectations a little too high, but I I tell you what, I came out of there loving Chris Pratt. I feel like that was a Chris Pratt character that we've not gotten to see. Yeah, you know he had his yeah. quippy one-liners. He had the stuff, but he wasn't goofy. Uh, you know he wasn't he he he's someone who had his crap together in yeah. this film, and he played it super well. And he was the only one that had his crap together. Right, in this movie. right, and he's someone that I would like to see down the road. You know, I, I, Jones. yeah. Well, listen, I wasn't sold completely on that until I saw this movie. Um, and and this sold me on 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 Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. Now I will say this: that I would like to see that character in something down the road, and maybe not even a Jurassic Parkish kind of thing, but you know, doing something else. And or if they do end up doing a sequel, it's like get Sam Neill back and have him and Sam Neill team up and just dominate the dinosaurs. That's what. <laughs> I love the way you say dinosaurs, like, know, the, like the animation. Well, I think $1.2 billion is a clear indication that we're going to see a, a Jurassic World 5 yeah. or 2 or however they're going to start numbering these. And is there any way? Um, I think that Chris has said that he signed on for another one. Mm-hmm. So they will most likely bring him back because he is, I mean, he's our modern day Harrison Ford right now. Right, right. Um and yeah, I'm with you. Bring back Sam Neill. Bring back. Uh, let's bring Malcolm back into the mix. Oh man, I'd love because I think that as as much as the dinosaurs didn't really impress me in this one, except for the Mosasaurus, which is that big like water one. Right. Um, it was really the the human characters that let me down. I just really didn't like any, in particular, the older brother of the two boys. Yes. I just. I was so disappointed with that character. He was just, he was an a-hole. He really was. He was a total jerk. 
And as as I was watching this thing, um, I kept thinking, I don't really care about either one of these kids. I want to yeah. spend more time with Chris Pratt and what he's doing. I only I only cared about the younger brother because his older brother was just treating him like such garbage the mm-hmm. whole time that I started to feel bad for him. And and what's weird is they tried to have the moment where the brothers were friends again, you know? Yeah, it was and like, it, dude, no, I'm not buying it, it just, right now. Yeah, it never it never played very well to me. Um, that being said, I'm not saying it was a bad movie. No, it was entertaining, and it just it. A friend of mine at work was going to see it, and she was like, "Do you think I'll like it?" I'm like, "If you didn't see the third one, I think you'll like this one." And that wound up being the case. Yeah, yeah. I think that because I was comparing it to the other three before it, and you couldn't help but do that because they kept throwing the other three in our face, um, that you couldn't help make those comparisons. And if if it just stood on its own, it'd be great, fun, entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I really feel like we're at a point in cinema where the next big shift is going to be because all of these, you know, you're into franchises and big tentpole films for all these studios. I think we're at a point where now you're going to have your creative people come in and instead of just figure out the big set pieces and the bigger and better, that the impetus now is, is let's make these things, let's have all the heart and soul of like those those mid-budget movies of the 90s that would come out, you know, the, the, the Shawshanks yeah. and that sort of thing, while we're doing this. And I'm not saying they don't always try to do that, but I'm saying that if they can crack that code in a big blockbuster, and, and I think they've come close with several things, um, and that becomes the new norm, then, uh, good Lord, the perfect storm, you know. Yeah, I think Guardians of, Ga- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a good example agreed. Of, of them doing that right. Yep, agreed. You know, took kind of a, a generic story that we kind of seen before but you gave us five characters that we really loved you gave us a great soundtrack that we were all singing along to you just you made the movie fun yes yeah it was listen i was talking to someone this weekend about guardians uh maybe it was dave jones from mark out loud we were talking and um talking about guardians and just uh, i i I just had it on the other day as i was doing some stuff and just remembered it's i just it was this weird, fresh feeling of watching, like, oh my gosh, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, and it was just so it's so much fun and it's so good and the and and like you say, it's kind of it's a story, it's a simple story that's been told before, but it's just told in such a good, good way. Yeah, uh, with these things. So, um, well, I don't think you have to eat a little bit of crow. I think that we were all really hyped up for Jurassic World. Obviously, it's still delivering at the box office. Uh, critically, in and out seemed, or in, inside out, not in and out. That's a burger joint in California. In inside out, it's delicious. Is uh, <laughs> is is is, per, is performing well for critics and uh, and box office and uh, kids. It, yeah, kids are it, loving it. it. Debut. It's the only Pixar movie to debut at number two, mm-hmm. and that's because it was up against the second weekend of Jurassic World. But at the same time. It was the highest debut box office for a Pixar movie. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so. So they they're not they're not crying at all. Right. Uh, over in the Pixar studios right now. Yep. 
Well, uh, before we look ahead to what's coming this month and, and maybe talk about some of the things we're excited about or just some things that are maybe worth mentioning, uh, let's look back at some of the big anniversaries uh, for this past year. Now, we kind of skipped June, and, and Eric, I just want to hit two quick years from June, and we'll just bang, bang, bang these out okay. very bullet pointish. Uh, first off, June of 1985, 30 years ago, just one movie I want to mention from that month, uh, The Goonies. Oh, came yes. out. <laughs> I love baby the Ruth. <laughs> you love baby Ruth? Ruth. Ruth. Baby Ruth. Oh, uh, dude, I I love that movie. I so it, it is it it holds up for me to this day. And it is just, you know, as a kid watching it, um I was 8 years old in in 1985, so when, by the time it, I didn't see it in the movie theater, so I first saw it on VHS probably when it was available to rent. So I was probably closer to nine. Um, but so right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I was and, 15 and it was still right in my wheelhouse. Oh, kid, little kids cussing. And you know, I mean, that little was an, gadgets. Yes. Yeah. Traps. And it had that, it was, it had a little bit of like a kid's Indiana Jones vibe to it. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and there was that cool moment that to this day, I just love when, uh, they're on the ship, and, and Sloth is fighting his brothers, and he just rips his shirt open, and the Superman score you know, kicks in for a minute. Yep. And, and it's just like, they know Superman in this movie, you know? <laughs> As a kid, it's just that moment where worlds collide, and you're like, this Sloth is the greatest thing ever. Sloth Superman shirt. Right, right, right. And, and, the, and the music kicks in, and you're like, they know that. Of course, as a child, I didn't realize, well, Richard Donner is directing this. Um, and, you know, of course, now I do, and... Uh, just, you know, a, a classic cast, Josh Brolin, who yeah. has gone on to do amazing things is, is in that movie and, um, so funny, so much fun. Absolutely loved it. It deserves its own singular episode of Geek Out Loud. Uh, Frodo was, yeah, Sean Aston. Sean Aston. Sorry. Samwise. Samwise. Yeah. Sean, Sean Aston doing his thing. Corey Feldman, of course, who was big yep. at the time, um, so and the and the mama from Throw Mama from the Train, yep. uh, Joey Pants, Joe Pantoliano, yes. Joey Pants. Uh, so just a just an incredible uh, Robert cast. Dobby, a yes. Bond villain. Uh, just an incredible cast, and and such a fun fun movie. And if you've not seen it or you haven't revisited in a while, it's a good time to do so. Now, just a little depressing note on this. I have tried to get my nephews to watch that, and they they hate it. What? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if they're really my nephews or not. That makes me sad. <laughs> that does make me sad. I, because I feel like it holds up. I really do. Watch that. And every kid. What kid didn't dream of finding a treasure map, you know, and, and being able to run around your town and get into Avengers and find treasure? My middle nephew will do the truffle shuffle, though, That's on what occasion. I'm talking that's what I'm, that is the, and I will say this, that moment was the bane of fat kids everywhere in the mid eighties. Yes, yes so. <laughs> and then, uh, for June, I want to jump into 25 years ago to total, uh, to 1990 total recall. I mean, if we're going to talk some Arnold later, let's talk some Arnold now in total recall. Welcome to the party, Victor. <laughs> I saw this movie once. I've only it's seen this movie once. Divorce. I've, <laughs> I've only seen this movie once, dude, and it was. And, and I'm, when did I see it? I was a teenager, 
I saw it well after it had hit the theaters. I, I was in an Arnold place. I was like finally catching up on all the stuff my parents wouldn't let me watch. And so I, you know, Running Man, Predator, all this other stuff, Total Recall. And I'm watching Total Recall and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> He's a fat lady who's, what? What? How many poops is that Get woman ready in? for a big surprise. Yes. Uh, and that scene on Mars, just when he when he's when he dreams of like he's going out in the airlock or whatever, and he and his helmet cracks and his eyes blow up. Uh, so freaky. Those eyes really did blow up, and then they activated the Queen. Start the reactor. They activated the reactor and gave the people some air. And then he was able to breathe again, and his face went back to normal. Okay. All right. See, I, I'd totally forgotten that. Did you see the remake they made, like, last yeah. year, year before last? Any good? It wasn't bad, but I don't know. The The Arnold version of it is just so classic. There's right. a lot of great Arnold lines in it. Um, Michael Ironside as the bad guy. Oh, Michael Ironside. That he's got to fight at the end, and all the weird... Uh, mutated aliens and Quato, who uh, for I don't know 10 15 years now I've referred to my I call my stomach Quato. Nice, <laughs> you know, if I've got an upset stomach or something, Quato's angry with Quato's me. angry. I, I hear you. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, also in June that year, uh, a movie it, it's notable to me just because I collected the trading card set for some reason. Uh, are, but are, Dick are Tracy. Oh, I thought you were going to say Garbage Pail Kids. No, 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 no. I was going to worry. No. Uh, Dick Tracy um, with Madonna was the big draw with, you know, um, back in the day for all of us. But, you know, you watch that movie nowadays and it's really quaint. You know, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a product of its time. Um, uh, what is Warren Beatty? Uh, Warren Beatty plays directed Dick, it, too. Yeah. And really tried to set up a world that looked like it stepped out of a news strip. Al Pacino was the, Al, the main bad guy. That's right. That's right. And they had so much cool, like, prosthetic makeup. There were so many bad guys that I wish we'd got to spend more time with, but they wipe them all out in the space yeah. of one scene. Um, and it really gets intense, man, when they're when they're bugging the room with them all. And, and Al Pacino, you know, finally finds out and he kills somebody. It's, it was in, kind of an intense movie. It 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 teetered back and forth between you know kind of campy and then like really serious, but uh, it's it's worth a visit if you've never seen it. And on that same day, one of the greatest movies, one of the most underrated sequels of all time, was re- released: Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Eric, I love Gremlins Two. Oh my I, gosh, I much prefer Gremlins Two over the first one. It is. Um, I don't know. I, they're different. They're so different that I love them differently. Yeah, um, but I just I still prefer the second one just because Joe Dante just really went crazy with it. And and rightfully so. So much fun. The the gremlins getting mutated and you've got the the smart one that's like, here we are having a conversation with yeah, you know, and, brain. Uh, yes. And then you had the one that turned into a woman. You had the vegetable one which was kind of freaky. It turned into a spider. Oh so scary. And uh and then that big final number, the New York, New York. Yeah. <laughs> And it's got John Glover in it, who I'm just a big fan of. Yes. Well, John Glover, I'm a big fan of from Smallville. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, uh, clearly he did this before. Oh, Small. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, like, when when I watch it now, I'm like, you're going to be Lionel Luther. And so in my mind, I just connect the dots. I'm like, 
that was actually Lionel Luther, and this is yeah. how he made his millions doing this media. No, I was I was a fan of his before Smallville, which made it even better that he was Lionel Luther. Yeah, yeah. So those I just wanted to mention those really quickly because we didn't really get to talk some June movies, um, and and I thought they were worth a mention just just for me personally. Uh, other anniversary movies now for July, which is the month we're coming into. Um, we talked about Jaws a couple of episodes ago with the re-release uh, the other weekend. Did you get to go see it? I didn't. I didn't either. I wanted to. I had. I didn't forget it. I just couldn't squeeze it in. But uh, I would have loved to have gone and seen Jaws on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, that's from 1975, the 40th anniversary uh, this month for these movies. Uh, the Apple Dumpling Gang. Listeners to Disney Vault Talk will know that I love the Apple Dumpling Gang. And so do I. Uh, just as a... Uh... As a kid, and you know, I would have been five years old. You weren't even born yet. No, no, no. I was no. I was born in seventy-seven. I, uh, my dad used to take me and my sister, and then late. My brother wasn't around yet, but later after he was born, him as well. My dad used to take us to all these Disney movies as kids, and in particular, I remember going to the drive-ins. Form and we nice, had an old nice. we had an old VW bus. Oh and my he would gosh. just he would take the middle seat out, just yep. make like a big nest with blankets and pillows and everything. And then he would park the bus sideways and in open the, the door. spots and just open the slot the side door. Yes. Yes. And we would just sit in there and the Apple Dumpling Gang movies and Escape from Witch Mountain and like, you know, all those kind of Disney Yep. live action movies that they were putting out back then. Like, oh. These were the movies that he was taking us to see. I mean, has there been a comedic duo the likes of Don Knotts and Tim Conway since Don Knotts and Tim Conway? I mean, <sighs> these guys are some of the... They, to me, they're two of the last of that classic era of comedians that they were two-man teams. You know, The slapstick kind of stuff. Right, yeah. right. I the, mean, a lot of the humor came with them um, Bump. It was Three Stooges kind it of It was humor. Three Stooges kind of humor. But they also just, you know, the the, the takes that Don Knotts could do, uh, yeah. you know, the double takes and the and the facial expressions, and Tim Conway just playing the idiot. Yeah. Of course, they were both idiots, but Tim Conway just playing the, the little bit dumber idiot, you know? Yeah. And, uh, of course, Tim Conway, to me, is one of the funniest people ever. His physical comedy back in the day, whenever he'd do the old man on the Carol Burnett show, Yep. And just move in like super slow motion. Um, but I did like this. And the other, and the, and the first time I watched this movie, I remember watching this movie. I don't know if it had come on TV or if my parents had rented it or what the case was, but it's like, you'll like this. Bill Bixby's in it. <laughs> because I was a huge fan of the Incredible Hulk television series. He was, he was the kid's dad, right? He was the guy who, well, they ended up with him. Oh, that's he right. was just a traveling, you know, man about town kind of guy. Yeah. And trying to make his millions and um or thousands, I guess, back in the old west and, and these ki- and he ended up with these kids just kind of dropped in his lap. And so uh, it's been it's been a few decades since I've seen me too. the Apple Dumplings. But Conway and Knotts were like a couple dim witted bank robbers <laughs> right. who were like using these kids as cover, right? Yep. 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 And, and the kids were orphans. Yes. Yeah. And I think they were heirs to some kind of fortune. Right. Uh, if I recall correctly. But but Don Knotts and... 
<laughs> I just remember one line, and that's when they're carrying that dynamite into the bank to try to blow the save or something, and the bank manager's like, that dynamite's old and it's sweaty. And, I, and that just captured my imagination for some reason, old sweaty dynamite. And, um, and so, and that's one of those things. And then, of course, the famous when you gotta go, you gotta go line comes from the Apple Dumpling Gang. Right. So, uh, also in 1975, one that I don't know, but I, I, I know that it was produced by the same people who would produce the Superman, the first two Superman, first three Superman films and Supergirl, the Salkinds. It's the Four Musketeers. Yes. And you say this is your favorite Musketeers film. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the, I, all the variations of Musketeer movies that have been made, this one's my favorite. This is just, it's classic swashbuckling. Um, all-star cast, Oliver Reed, Raquel Welch, Richard Chamberlain, Michael York, Christopher Lee. And this was actually the sequel to The Three Musketeers. And the two, basically, you can watch the two of them back-to-back and they're just one long, seamless movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, I didn't see these in the theater as a kid. It was, they would play on like Saturday afternoons on like picks or, you know, your local... Uh, TV stations or whatever, and I would watch them, and I just love them. Well, so good. This actually was um, kind of the catalyst for doing Superman and Superman Two at the same time, back to back. Yeah, Richard Lester uh, was the director here, and, and he was brought in after the Donner incident, you know, to to kind of put the finishing touches on Superman Two. But they had, uh, but they had filmed so much. Um, they had filmed so much footage that they were able to create this sequel out of that. Right. Out of what they did. And so that's why it works so well. Like you say, back to back. So, um, and I'm just, I'm looking at this right now. Apparently, uh, SAG actors contracts now have what is known as the Salkind clause, which stipulates how many films are going to be made out of the work they're doing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because of this, because the actors were a little put off that suddenly there was a second movie out of the work they've done. So I think these movies still stand up today. Really? Uh, See, I've yeah. never seen them. They're good. I, just the, the sword. If, I mean, if you're a fan of movies with that old classic, like sword play in it and stuff like that, they work just the, the musketeers themselves are just such fun characters, each having, you know, their own uh, kind of trait to them and everything. And, there's just something really noble about the Musketeers to begin with, uh, all for one and one for all thing. And I just, I really get into these just really fun movies. Yeah. I, um, the, uh, I've never seen these. I have seen the Disney three Musketeers with, uh, Oliver Platt. Oh, is that the, uh, the one with the sting and Brian Adams? Yes. And, uh, and, uh, uh Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart song. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm sorry, it doesn't hold a doesn't, candle. Doesn't hold a candle, really? Even with the great Although line. Oliver Platt is really good as Porthos, but yes. it still doesn't hold a candle. I love us. the moment when Porthos runs into that big, uh, basically big henchman, and he's like, "Whoa, ugly!" Uh, he, Oliver Reed played Porthos. In oh these wow! Movies. So wow. I mean, that's just right there. Well, sure. The, well, the know, name Oliver Platt's not going to hold a candle. Well, the names you mentioned, I mean, are powerhouse names, yeah. especially from that time period, you know. And of course, yeah, like. Like Richard Chamberlain was, mm-hmm. you know, he was the the drop dead like sexy guy back then, doing right. all the Thorn Birds and Shogun miniseries and stuff like that at the time. So, 
Well, uh, as we bump ahead five years to the 35th anniversaries of these movies, uh, 1980, uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit the final countdown here. This is one you loved as a kid, you said. Yeah, uh, it, my dad took me to it. I was, I, growing up, I was really into planes. I built airplane models all the time. Um, my father had a pilot's license, and when we lived out west, we would he would take me flying. Um, we would go to the uh, the airplane graveyard that's been made famous in uh, in movies like Transformers Two and um, and what was the movie with uh, with McSteamy? Uh, never mind. McSteamy, I don't know. The guy from Grey's Anatomy who just got fired. He did a movie where he was a high school student who paid a girl to pretend to be his girlfriend. And they filmed a lot of scenes in the airplane graveyard there. But it's basically just where all the old military planes and stuff are parked. Right, right. It's just like rot out there. But as a kid, if you can get in there, you get to run around and play inside all these plane fuselages and everything. So anyway, I was a big big plane fan as a kid. So the final countdown – the USS Nimitz, which at the time was like the most advanced aircraft carrier in our fleet, it is out on a routine mission and it gets sucked through some time warp portal and winds up back in uh, just off the coast of Hawaii in 1941, right before the Japanese attack. Hmm. Like a couple days before, and they got to figure out like what happened or where they are, and they start to piece together like we could stop this whole thing and then should we stop it? And, you know, there's, there's scenes with uh, the Tomcat uh, fighter jets going up against the old Japanese zeros and stuff. It's just, wow. I don't know, as a plane junkie and stuff, I really dug it. That sounds cool. I have to dig that one up. It's a little dated now, but... Sure. Well... Uh, a lot but if of, you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of those movies from that time period are, though, you know, when you try to do the action movies or the... Or or the blockbusters. Yeah, it holds up really well. It's the uh, the time warp portal no, thing. Exactly. Really Any special effects? It's hard to find movies from this time period yeah. where the special effects really hold up. Uh, but two comedy juggernauts were released in July of 1980 as well. And it's hard to believe that both of these movies were released in the same month and are 35 years old. Yes. Uh, number one being Airplane. It, probably the most quotable movie ever made. <laughs> I don't know. Arguably, the other one here is well that that is quotable. Well, you stepped all over my joke. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you had a joke there. Oh man, yeah. Airplane is just it is. Airplane's one of those movies where every line is a joke. Like they wrote in like fifty jokes per page. Steve, have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> Do you you like gladiator movies? (laughs) Chum don't want no help. Chum don't get no help. (laughs) Excuse me, stewardess. I speak Jeff. And of course, oh man, yes. And uh, picked a terrible day to quit smoking crack. (laughs) Quit snorting glue. Quit. I love the uh, the joke of the the white zone is for the loading and unloading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. The red zone is for, and they start going back. The the voices over the intercoms are fighting. Uh, the whole the whole bit with him getting trying to get through the airport with all the different uh, the the moonies and everyone else trying to stop him and um, uh, just hilarious stuff. 
the autopilot. Wild. Just wild. It, and it was a send-up of a lot of the, uh, kind of almost the disaster movies. You know, your Poseidon Adventures. What was it? it was well, a, Airport. Thank too. you. I was going to say. Like airport, like Airport 77, Airport yes. 78, Airport 79. Yeah. Um, it, that, that, those were the movies I was trying to think of that was a direct send-up of, of those. And it, yep. it just plays so well. And I heard someone telling a story the other day about the... Uh, getting to meet the the creator of airplane you know the one of the writers and everything and he was talking about leslie nielsen who came out of you know doing he wanted to do comedy and but he had been a straight actor you know i mean he'd just been he'd been very he'd been dramatic actor that sort of thing and so when they got him to do comedy he was trying to do the lines that he had you know and make them funny and they're like no just read these like you would if, the, if it were dramatic. so that deadpan delivery he has of all his stuff came because these guys were like, it's so much funnier when you do it this way. And he would have them in stitches, just delivering those lines with a straight face, just deadpanning it. And, um, and, and, uh, one of the greats, let's be honest. So, and then of course in 1980 as well, probably one of the most, probably the most quotable movie of all time. (laughs) I'm all right. Caddyshack. Nobody care about me. Oh, Caddyshack is hilarious. Yes. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bill Murray, for crying out loud, Rodney Dangerfield is in this thing. It is, uh, it's the camp movie, only it takes place at a golf course. It's meatballs yes. on a golf course. <laughs> so. Um, Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It. This was, uh, this is this is just one of those greatest of all time. I mean, you know, this really is one of the you know one of the greatest comedies of all time. I don't know it as well as I know Airplane, um, but still, just how absurd is a dancing gopher? But it's just hilarious and it works. Well, and they turn after the the singing fish on the wall. The dancing gopher became like the next best thing. That's right. That's right. The old big mouth Billy Bass. Yep. <laughs> You can still go into some Walmarts or, and there or they are. Costco's and find those dancing gophers. Yeah, I uh, and and who doesn't love Kenny Loggins of the '80s, ladies and gentlemen? No, I mean you couldn't have a hit movie in the '80s without a Kenny Loggins song. <laughs> That's in it. right, exactly, exactly. So, um, but moving on ahead, real quickly, July 1985. This one's pretty big, my friend. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Paging Mr. Herman. Come on, Simone. Let's Mr. talk about Herman. Let's talk about your big butt. <laughs> I pity the fool that don't eat my cereal. <laughs> uh, now this is one I got my nephews to watch just from that whole opening sequence with the uh, in the kitchen. Yeah, with the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were fascinated by that and then hooked. I was fascinated by it. I was fascinated by uh, the dude's bathtub being a, a swimming pool. Francis is taking a bath. Yeah. Why are they hosing him off? <laughs> I know you, Robert. What am I? Infinity. Uh, I mean, so again, so much that comes from that movie that just has just continued on through time, and some people don't even realize where it came from. But I, I just, I love that. I love when he's like, "I'm in Texas. Prove it." The stars at night are big and bright. And everyone, <laughs> everyone just stops and sings. The tell them large Marge sent you. <laughs> the big shoe dance to tequila. Oh. 
tequila became a hit all over yes because of the big because of that yeah i never understood why he was like what the dance was supposed to be but it was just funny to me there's that moment with twisted sister where he's on the lot uh, and and all of a sudden everything goes from that uh that Danny Elfman score to count on me, you're going to burn in hell. I'm like, what yeah. is this? Cra-? Well, just the whole, that whole action sequence on the lot at the end is great. With him flying through the Godzilla set. And, yes. You know, the thing with Twisted Sister on the car, driving down the street and stuff. Just a lot of fun there. Mm-hmm. It was, it was absurd as Pee Wee Herman is ever going to be i mean when you watch peewee's playhouse you understand mm-hmm. why this movie you know why this movie launched that show kind of because it's just that crazy and that absurd so great great movie and of course the ever iconic uh back to the future came out in july of 1985 Brent scott uh, marty <laughs> i i love this movie and people so people who listen to stuff with me and my friend Derek know we've talked about this before on the show and uh, he's a huge fan of Back to the Future, and um, I, this, you know, now now that Star Wars has, you know, coming on, it, Star Wars has long since not been a trilogy. The Indiana Jones movies, you know, there's only four. There's four now of those. Uh, Derek always liked to make the argument that Back to the Future is the greatest trilogy of all time now, and uh, I'm like, well, you know, the original trilogy, but <laughs> but for pure. You know, I have to agree, and this is the one that launched it all. I yeah. love this movie. It's it's it hits every beat just right to me. So much fun, Michael J. Fox at some of his best. Yep. So, um, then uh, nineteen ninety five, Irish. I'm going to read what you emailed. All right. And and I want everyone to understand that this what I'm about to read to you people. You people out there, this is one of the reasons that I call Erish my brother from another mother. <laughs> July of 1995, 20 years ago this month, Waterworld was released. And Erish says, I'm a staunch defender of this movie. I, too, ladies and gentlemen, am a staunch defender of Waterworld. It's like a turd that won't flush. <laughs> The whole knock on this movie was that they spent $200 million to make it. That was, and before the movie even came out, the media was tearing it apart because it was so expensive, blah, blah, blah. It, I just, I don't get that kind of reasoning. Spend $500 million on the movie if I still get to see it for $10. That's right. That's right. You know, it's like, why, why am I going to be upset because you're making a movie that you're putting all this money into because you think you need to to get it right? You know, if it's going to entertain me at the end of the day, I don't care how much it costs. Well, and what's funny is nowadays spending $200 million on a movie is every, every basically every movie we're going to talk about after this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's heralded as a great thing to spend that. That's kind what of they money. spend on marketing. The yes. marketing budget for Jurassic World is probably well over two hundred million dollars. And and so, but this movie, dude, you talk about fun. I mean, I look. I don't. It's know not that, perfect. No, I, I was going to say I don't know that Kevin Costner was the guy to play the Mariner, but it's still it is it is, and it is nineties. Like when you watch it, you're like, yeah, this movie was made smack dab in the middle of the nineties. Right. But. 
that being said, it it's just it, it paints a great picture of a post-apocalyptic world, yeah. pulling off the whole idea that the whole planet is covered in water, the quest for dry land. You know his his loner self, and and you know bringing on this woman and this little girl, and you know and and as their relationship builds into what it is, it's just Dennis Hopper. You know, enough said. <laughs> yeah, but it's got great action sequences in it. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The soundtrack is really good. <clears throat> so good that they actually use that soundtrack in the trailers for a lot of action movies. Who who did that? Do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. All right. Well, I will I will Google that for you while we while we continue to talk here. Um, oh, and I actually I like Kevin Costner as the Mariner. Mm-hmm. He okay. plays those. He plays those loner characters really well. You know, those guys right, who right. angry, have a chip on their shoulder. It's kind of, it's sort of become his thing. Right. Um, but I like to, and that's part of the reason I like the movie so much is that I like him in it. Okay. I mean, I look, I... I was being a little snarky. I I tend to agree with you. I don't know who else I would have cast in that role. I, you know, I, yeah, at the time I don't know. There either. there are times though when Costner to me comes across as as a little wooden, and and this movie is is, is some, there's some of that for me in this. Um, but that is not to say that like the stunt work and everything. I mean, it's almost like when I, I'll be honest with you, I've not I still haven't seen Mad Max Fury Fury Road. Oh, get to the theater and see it. But when I see those people driving across the desert, I'm like, they took the cast of Waterworld and just put them in the sand. Yeah. You know, it's really that kind of feel. And that's not a criticism of of anything. That's just like, that's that's the feel it gives me. And I, I love that. You know, oh, dude, that moment where the dude's down there who who's always checking the level of the of yeah. the oil, and and all of a sudden the the match falls down there, and, it and just it's just like, like thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad and funny at the same time. James Newton Howard did the music uh, for Waterworld. Um, he is he also did uh, some of M Night Shyamalan's uh, movies. He did Unbreakable, Six Sense, Signs. Um, he 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 work with Costner again in the postman. Um, so, and, and there was something more recently that, um, that he did that I, that I kind of dug, but he, um, yeah, he's, he's a pretty good composer. I'm not familiar enough with that soundtrack though, to, uh, to it's, it's just a, a really solid action picture soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's been, you know, a couple of the pieces of it have been used in trailers for other movies. Yeah. You know, just like Alien's soundtrack was used in trailers for umpteen movies after the fact. Well, after uh, after Dragonheart came out, they were using a lot of that score. Yeah. In, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in, in trailers and stuff. And so, yeah, but I do. I love Waterworld. I, it's so much fun. I've got it on the DVD shelf right now. It's so much so. I like it so much I may go pick it up and watch it as soon as we're done here. <laughs> do it, my friend. Well, we interrupt this podcast to bring you this commercial for Audible.com. That's a terrible thing that I just did to you guys. Uh, look... <laughs> You guys know Audible. If you're not using Audible, let me encourage you to use Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash geekout is where you want to go for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook with said trial. 
It is a fantastic service. Over 150,000 titles to choose from, from all genres, all across the board. Now, you know, we with the Geek Out Loud stuff, we like the, uh, the geeky stuff, so that's kind of what we roll with a lot of times here, a lot of our suggestions. We have a uh, book club coming up next week, or, or next month, rather, where we'll be talking about Ready Player One. I could suggest that to you. Um, but I'd also like to suggest, if I may, uh, some other stuff. You know, look, there, there's more to us than Star Wars and geek stuff, guys. We are, we are serious people around here. And, uh, and so I would like to suggest something other than um, Star Wars. But I'm not uh, right now. <laughs> Actually, I can't suggest enough Ready Player One. Um, Ready Player One is read by Will Wheaton, and it is just a fantastic book. It's got it's chock full of '80s references. You know, we all love those. Look, just here's a sample. All of my favorite news and entertainment vid feeds. Among these was my own channel, Parzival TV, broadcasting obscure, eclectic crap, 24/7, 365. Earlier that year, GSS had added a new feature to every Oasis user's account. Okay, I mean, let's be honest. That's not the most exciting of clips, but, you know, it, it's Will Wheaton reading this. This thing goes into so much good stuff. Ready Player One, it can be yours for free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash geekout and starting your free subscription to audible.com today. In doing so, you help this show. Hey, that rhymed. <laughs> Well, let's look ahead, man, yes. um, to July. This is a big month, and I'm actually surprised. I've been surprised at the reactions, uh, some of the some of the uh, pre-reactions to some of these movies, and, uh, and I myself may be eating some crow by the time the month of July is up. Of course, we start with July 1st, and pr I think the movie that all of us are looking forward to more than anything else, Eric, is Magic Mike XXL. Oh, I know you are because it's got big sex scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go watch. I'm gonna go watch a movie just because Kevin Nash is in. It. You are gonna go watch. I'm a movie not just because <laughs> Kevin Nash is in. It. I'm not. I, I know you're probably gonna do a whole Mark Out Loud episode about this movie and Kevin Nash's performance in it. I, I doubt it. Uh, but challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Well, he's not the only wrestler in one of our July movies. So. That's true. That's true. So, um, yeah, but, uh, dude, uh, McConaughey and Steven is not back in this one. Yeah, um, and Soderbergh's not directing that's it. That's right. So, so I mean, that, that's not to say it's not going to be a bad movie, but... Hey, no. <laughs> I, I, I like the first movie. Really? I didn't see, I didn't see it in the theater, but I, I saw it on, on Blu-ray and... I've seen it numerous times on cable. Yeah. It, it's a good It's a solid movie. I need to ask you why you watched it. Um, because it's got the, it's got Channing Tatum in it. Really? You're, you're a, you're a Tatum head. I freaking love Channing Tatum. Really? I actually, I think the guy, I like his work. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not anti Channing Tatum. And, and look, it's got McConaughey. I mean, the cast is great. All it's right. Got all right. All right. In it. Yeah. It's man. got Matt Bomer in it. I was a big fan of his show, White Collar. Kevin Nash was in it. Um, you know, I like it. I want to go back to this Channing Tatum love. How deep does it run? 
Uh, like, does it run? It, G- do, it doesn't go all the way back to his dance movie stuff. Okay. Does it? Does it? Does it run GI Joe: Rise of Cobra deep? It. Uh, I certainly appreciate him a lot more in GI Joe: Rise of Cobra than he did. Okay. He was just right. on Howard Stern this week, blasting the I, movie. I saw something about that. I didn't read the details. He basically did it because he had a contract with the studio and they okay. forced him to do it. Right. But uh, I love him in the Jump Street movies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, I got you back on that one, sir. Um, he was good in the uh, in the White House is Under Attack movie, although I like the the Gerard Butler White House is Under Attack now, movie. Now, which, which Gerard Butler was Olympus Has Fallen? Yes, and Channing Tatum was White House Down. Okay. I, I haven't seen the White House Down. So. He's good in it. Yeah. I, look, I'm not um, anti. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw the uh, "This Is the End," the movie with Jonah Hill. I did, and, uh, and you did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Channing's little cameo in that right. was freaking hysterical, dude. I, supposedly, he was drunk when he agreed to do that and didn't realize what he had agreed to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've seen the movie, you'll understand why that's funny. I will tell you this: I am, I am not uh, hating on Channing Tatum at all. And and hit and Twenty One Jump Street alone, yeah. uh, both of them, but Twenty One Jump Street alone built him up enough credit in his account that I will give him a pass on a lot of things. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to go watch Magic Mike X Double XL, or that I'm going to go back and watch Magic Mike. It's not enough to pull. It's not okay. enough to pull me in because it because it, it ends with a bunch of shirtless males, and I have enough of that every week on wrestling. So. Uh, no, it's uh, look, I just I liked it. I thought it was a fun movie. Cool, and he was good in it. Coming out the same day, fighting for dominance. <laughs> fighting for dominance, yes, is uh, Terminator Genesis, and I think it's I think it's spelled the way it is because that's the way Arnold pronounces it. Genesis. Genesis. No, Arnold doesn't even bother saying the Genesis part. He just says, the, I'm in the new Terminator movie. I'm, come to see the new Terminator movie. You should all come. And he, he doesn't say Terminator. He says, like, Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's less of an Austrian accent and more of a speech impediment. Yeah. Um, now, th- what's interesting about this movie to me is James Cameron has, like, given his big blessing to it. And that's what I believe. I believe I saw that on, you know, one of the online sites. Oh, yeah. Or something. I mean, I've seen it. Yeah. Slash Film was reporting it a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Where and, this is supposedly the true third Terminator movie or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, I think the true third Terminator movie was Terminator 3. Yeah. Right? And I like Terminator 3. I did too. I did too. Uh, I, I only saw Terminator Salvation the one time, uh, which I guess means I didn't really like it. Uh, but that's, I, I, I just haven't gone back and watched it again. Um, but this, I'm telling you, this one looks really, the the concept of this is really intriguing to me. Messing around with the timeline, the whole thing with John Connor. And that's not a spoiler. If you've seen the trailers, I mean, John Connor, he's going to end up being kind of the bad guy in this. He is the bad guy in this from what the trailers make lead us to believe. So. I like your line here in, in your email to me. Beth Tannen stole Marty's DeLorean and took it further to the further future, loaded Skynet into it, and then traveled back in time. That's what you think happened. That's kind of what it <laughs> seems like. It's like that alternate timeline we get in Back to the Future too. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing with the Terminator movies. Like, you know, it's Sarah Connor's, like, come with me if you want to live. 
That's right. And can I just say, Khaleesi looks a lot like Linda Hamilton. They did a great job yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of making her, you know, get that Linda Hamilton look. You know, Sansa. Uh, my question is, 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 is this supposed to be set again in, in the 1980s? You know, or have they bumped it up a little further into the, you know, that's the only weird thing to me. I think it is in the 1980s because there's... They, they've shown the clip on TV a number of times, and I think it's online, too. We, you see it in the trailer where, you know, old Arnold meets the original right. Terminator Arnold, and he's like, I've been waiting for you. Right. But, like, that sequence is the scene in the original Terminator movie where the Terminator shows up and, yes. like, takes the jacket from Bill Paxton and those guys. Yep. Well... It's not Bill Paxton, but it's three guys who are wearing the exact same clothes. Wow. Now, see, I that's the thing. The minute that's what captured my imagination about this was that moment, uh, because in the first teaser, you know, you have the whole thing, and then he shows up, and you're like, okay, that's the original Terminator. I've been waiting for him. Like, who is that? You know, yeah. and and what is going? Why is she telling him come with me? What is going on here? And and that just blew my mind, and so I'm like, well, I'm probably going to go watch this movie. I think there's actually, I think there's a, my guess is that there's a lot of time skipping around in this. Mm -hmm. um, and I heard Arnold say, talking about, like, well, how come his older Terminator just didn't use the time machine? And he said that he couldn't do it because the skin had been torn off of parts of his body exposing the metal, and the metal can't go through the time machine. That's right. Um, so, like, they're... they're he didn't they, get to be the governor for nothing, everybody. Yeah, they've been doing some, some you know, conversations and interviews, and I think he was on Jim... No, it was Howard Stern when he was explaining that to him. Um, but, yeah, it, it could be interesting, but, honestly, it's it's the... Uh, it's the, the Reese stuff. Not Reese, sorry. Um... The John Connor stuff that I'm just kind of like, really? It just looks, that's the one thing that's turning me off, too. Yeah, it's it. but see, that just, uh, for me, that kind of piqued my interest even more. I'm like, why are we turning John Connor into the bad guy? What is happening? What, you know, is that really John Connor? What's going on here? Um, fans of the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles will be all over this thing, be like, why are they doing this? You know, and... And you just never know what it might bring into. But I, but then when James Cameron came out and kind of said, "Yeah, this is good stuff. This is everything you want it to be," you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that I fully trust James Cameron's judgment on things. But he had no pony, you know, he had no dog in this fight. He, you know, he did. There's, there's no reason for him to say it's good or not. He's got right. Avatar. You know, he's working his Avatar thing. So that kind of to me. Uh, ups the ante a little bit more. I'll probably, you know, if, if given the choice between this and Magic Mike Double XL, I'm probably going to go see Terminator. I would go see Terminator too. So, uh, then July 10, uh, Minions. I know Minions. you're looking forward to Minions. I can't wait for this one. I uh, I'm just not well versed enough in the whole Despicable Me stuff. To I love the first Despicable Me movie. Second one was okay. But the first one I thought was just brilliant and fun and just, I loved it. I love the Minions. I've gone as a Minion for Halloween a couple of years in a row now. Nice. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited about this. And then you throw Sandy Bullock into it and 
you know, you had me at hello. I do like Sandra Bullock. The, the trailer for this movie is really funny. Yes. Uh, them going from like evil person to evil person, you know, and, and screwing it all up for them. Well, not even evil person. It goes all the way back to the dinosaurs where they found the biggest, baddest T Rex. That's right. You know, <laughs> that they were going to be like, okay, you're our boss. And basically, you know, it, it shows them going from they just keep finding the next big bad. I love the clip with Dracula. Oh, it, it's hysterical. It, they're throwing a party and they open up the shades to say surprise and he just turns to dust. Yeah. <laughs> so are they going to be speaking in this? That's the only thing. They speak in the minion speak. Okay. Which you can... It, it's sprinkled with enough that lets you follow along with what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Or at least their intention. Well, that's the. Th- I don't feel like they need to do to undo that. I hope they don't. Yeah, you know, I hope no. it's not a caravan of courage thing where all of a sudden they're speaking English. You know. I no, think no. The, from what the trailers have shown so far, they're speaking Minion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other movie coming out that same day, July 10, Self Slash Less. Self Less. Yeah. Uh, ben Kingsley is in this. Ben Kingsley, great actor. Uh, and Sir Ben Kingsley. I'm sorry, Sir Ben Kingsley. Uh, plays a dying billionaire who participates in a radical new medical procedure that will transfer his consciousness into the corpse of a much younger man, played by Ryan Reynolds. Uh, it's a psychological sci-fi drama. It looks kind of like... Do you remember that horror movie called... Was it Body Parts? Where the guy had his hand re- had to have a hand replaced and they did some ex- you know some new amazing surgery where they actually put a human hand back on his arm. and Or maybe it was the whole arm, but it was the arm of a serial killer. No, I don't or, remember or that a killer one. And it That's what this feels like. You know, uh, the, the Ryan Reynolds, who's apparently been in a vegetative state or is, you know, declared dead, he starts to have all these memories pop back up as, you know, as Ben Kingsley's in his body. and, and Well, they, no, I mean, it's, it's Ben Kingsley's character. From what I understand, it's Ben Kingsley's character is now living his life in Ryan Reynolds' body. But he keeps encountering people like the children that Ryan Reynolds had and stuff, they see him and they're like, Daddy, you're alive! And it starts messing with his head. Right. So you know, He starts realizing that, I guess, what he did was morally or ethically not right. Really? I mean, it takes all that? I guess. You know, <laughs> this you know is these, a, these rich people... Right. This is a Netflix watch for me. I don't even know if it's a Netflix watch. Well, you never... I mean, what I mean by that is if there's nothing else going on... Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember seeing the previews for this. I'll check it out. You know, it's it's. I'm seeing a lot of commercials for it on TV, so it's getting some push from the studio, and it's got two pretty two pretty big names in it, so that's why I threw it onto the list. Um, <clears throat> but Minions is gonna destroy yeah. oh, that. Oh sure, weekend. sure. Uh, a week later, July seventeenth, uh, Trainwreck. Uh, since she was a little girl, it's been drilled into Amy's head that monogamy isn't realistic. Now a magazine writer. Amy lives by that credo, enjoying what she feels is an uninhibited life free from stifling, boring, romantic commitment. But in actuality, she's kind of in a rut. Uh, this is a Judd Apatow joint. Um, you know, Apatow is solid. He's proven himself time and time again. Uh, I think Amy Schumer's the draw here. Amy Schumer, Bill Hader, uh, Brie Larson, Colin Quinn, John Cena. John what? Cena, Steve! The champ is here! Yeah. Um, Bill Hader's. I think that 
the way it works to, to work all these sports celebrities in, because like LeBron James is in this. Um, Bill Hader's character is like one of those go-to sports medicine guys. Okay, all right. You need to have your knee scoped or whatever. He's the guy that you go to. And so he's friends with all these sports celebrities. And Amy Schumer plays a writer, and she's doing a, an article for, like, Sports Illustrated or something like that on, like, sports medicine. And that's how she meets the Bill Hader character. I believe that's how all this is working. Okay, nice. So are they the, each other's love interest then? Is that the... Well, the thing is, I think that they have, like, a one-night stand or something like that. And basically, that's what Amy's character is all about. She's only into the one-night stands. She doesn't believe in long-term relationships or whatever. And he kind of falls for her and is trying to convince her that they should start dating. And it's, you know, her trying basically right. growing up or whatever. Okay. But it looks really funny. I don't know if you've seen any of... Uh, any of her show or not but i, not. I mean mm-hmm. she is she is probably one of the most cutting edge comics right now yeah um really i mean funny but very topical very of the moment like what's going on in society and and like, like just she's become a real comedy darling in the last year or so and I think that they're putting a lot into this movie. This is like her big breakout vehicle. Um, yeah, I think it. I think it looks really good. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I, um, it, you know, like I say, Judd Apatow. He's, you know, he's he's a pretty solid hitter when he steps up to bat. Yep. So, uh, you know what you're getting from him. Mr. Holmes is coming out that day. Director Bill Condon. Uh, is putting a spin on author Arthur Conan Doyle's most celebrated character with Mr. Holmes. Ian McKellen is playing Sherlock Holmes. And he's an older man, and he's trying to uh, basically uh, keep his wits about him. It's yeah. basically Holmes towards the end of his of his life. It, the movie takes place in, I think, the late 40s. Um, Holmes has returned to England after living in Japan for some time, and he's been... Uh, affected by the the dropping of the the two bombs in japan um and from i think what i read and sent you he's he's looking for something that's going to help him prolong his life or something like that and uh it's kind of paired up with the the, the boy of the woman that he's staying with who's kind of enamored with him and they have this little adventure together okay but it's just, it's Ian McKellen playing Sherlock Holmes. All that right. that's the real draw here. Right, right. Well, it's I mean Ian McKellen, period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept, and and you know, I feel like we're kind of Sherlock Holmes out at this point, though. Uh, we might. I don't know. It's he's such an iconic character that if if he's done right, I don't think you can be Sherlock Holmes. Okay. All right. Um. But look, this isn't the big movie of the weekend. It's not even the second big movie of the weekend. <laughs> you know, this is going to play on a fraction of the screens that the other two movies are going to be right. playing on. Right. So this is kind of that art house thing that if you don't want to go see the big Hollywood product, you're going to go see the Ian McKellen movie. Well, I, uh, 
the this other movie that's coming out, this little bitty movie from Marvel Studios called Ant Man. Yeah, I noticed it was one on my list that you turned into the third one mentioned. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I felt like I was working my way up to something. Yeah. Um, here's I'm surprised right now because I was reading an article uh, earlier today that they basically were posting a lot of tweets from some various critics who have seen Ant-Man and uh, were really putting it over. Not, you know, without going into spoilers or anything, but just putting it over, saying that it's it's a great movie, it's fun, it's got a lot of heart, you know, it's kind of a surprise to them. Uh, someone even said that Edgar Wright should be really proud that, you know, they can still see his fingerprints all over it, that kind of thing. So, um, which is shocking to me because I really am expecting this just to be connective tissue. Uh, but it's been, but one, one person called it a heist movie. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking more forward to it now than I was based on just a lot of that reaction, a lot of that positive buzz that's coming out of it. So look, I hope that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I still see where. From a lot of what I've heard, this is it seems like more connective tissue. It seems like an Iron Man two kind of thing more than its own thing. But then at the same time, I, I just know I love Paul Rudd. You know, I, I've never really been disappointed in, in anything I've seen him in, and so I'm interested to see how this how this flies. I've been saying for a while there since we talked back when we we I forget when I had you on and we were talking about it, but it was when Edgar Wright was left this project. And I asked the question, is this kind of the first big chink in the Marvel armor? Right. You know, as far as these cinematic movies go. And, you know, and I've kind of been in that mindset. I haven't really said it. I mean, who am I to talk negatively about a movie I've not seen? But just all the things that I've heard and and all the different things I've read, I was really feeling like this could be their first really big misstep. But it sounds like they pulled it together and... You know, from from some of the react, at least from some of the pre buzz I've seen, maybe actually pulling off something pretty special. Commercial for it just came on. Nice. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? They know. I, you know, I I am in the same. You basically just took all the words right out of my mouth on this too. <laughs> um, there's there's one scene in the trailer so far that's I thought was really inventive, and that's the the toy train thing. Yes. Um, but otherwise there's just nothing in it so far that I've been like, I can't wait to see this movie. Right. Although the cast, I love the cast, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly. Like I'm thrilled that all of them are in it. I, like you said, I hope this movie works. I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that they're starting to leak out some early positive reviews for it. That's good. Um, but I would not be surprised if Trainwreck is the number one movie this weekend. Really, I think it it it, it appeals to the audiences across the board, at least adult audiences. Because of Amy Schumer, I think that women will want to go see the movie. Women will go see it with their friends. I think because of the sports element, it's a movie that guys would go see, and guys will go see it with their friends. And it's also a great date movie. You know, and I don't think that I don't think that Ant Man has that draw to it. Um, I don't know. It's gonna I'm gonna be very curious. I mean, look, it's very possible that Minions is gonna be number one, second week in a row. Right. Um, really? But I think wow. I, 
I think Minions is going to draw really well. Wow. Um, okay. But, you know, uh, between Ant-Man and Trainwreck, I wouldn't be surprised if it's really close between the two of them because I think that I also wonder that if people aren't a little marveled out at this point. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I just feel like as long as they're putting out quality stuff, and th- and this is the first, I guess, since, well, we had Guardians right. before Avengers, but, you know. But Guardians had a brilliant marketing that's, plan. It, it, it. That's the thing. I feel like the marketing for this should have been as strong as it was for Guardians, and it hasn't been. I just don't see people online, like, you know, when a new Ant-Man trailer comes on, I don't see Twitter blowing up the way it did when a new Guardians trailer would come online. Yeah, there was something that really captured the zeitgeist about that, but that I think that may play in this is this Ant-Man's favor. I think Ant-Man has some lowered expectations, and and so I think it may, um, may, may surprise a lot of people. But at the same time, I also think the general public who... You know, my friends who aren't always tweeting movies and stuff on, you know, and trailers and stuff. I know a lot of people are looking forward to this because it's a Marvel movie. Okay. You know, they're into the Marvel thing. So, I, you know, I, I think Minions will still be in there, but I don't know that Trainwreck, I, you know, if it does, it will be the surprise and win the weekend. I'm going to be, I will be watching that closely, Irish. Almost, I kind of want to put a bet on it, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, I, well, I mean, we got it right here on the pod. I'm going to say that the weekend of July 17th, number one movie is going to be Minions. And I, number two number two movie is going to be Trainwreck, and then right behind that is going to be Ant-Man. Well, I, I, think Ant-Man, I think Ant-Man and Trainwreck will, will be just a few million between, difference between them. And all three of them might be really tight together. Well, I, uh, I, I, I think Ant Man's just going to blow him out of the water. Okay. Um, and I think you'll see Minions at number two that week. Uh, I just, I don't know. As as good as Apatow is, and as hot as Amy Schumer is right now, I don't know that. You know, a kind of a what is this? A PG thirteen comedy? I think it's an R rated. comedy. Yeah, I don't know the R rated comedy is going to be able to take the weekend. I just don't see it happen. Oh, I don't think it's going to take the weekend. I think Minions is going to take the weekend. Well. I think Trainwreck will be two and Ant-Man will be three. I see. I, I, I think Minions will drop the number two behind Ant-Man. Trainwreck may be number three at this point. Okay. Um, so. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. We should plan to, to talk on the, uh, on the 20th or 21st. We, we, I will, sir. I'll be texting you like a, like a fool. <laughs> the following work uh the following work the following week july 24th uh paper towns now i've not heard of this one um it's a coming of age story oh well this is going to be great uh quentin and his enigmatic neighbor margo who loves mystery so much she became one it's a teen movie huh it's it's, it's based on the book written by the author who wrote The Fault in Our Stars. It was a, a big YA bestseller. It, it's gonna it's gonna gear towards that same audience that Fault in Our Stars did. Right. Um, not it, it's not targeting itself to you or I, my friend. Well, um, <laughs> but if you're a teenager who read the book, you know you might be interested in seeing it. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not a teenager that read the book. I probably yeah. won't be watching this one. 
One that I may see, I don't know if I'm going to wait for this one or not. If, if I don't have any anything else to do that weekend, um, I may go see Pixels. This one is, is interesting to me because of the 80s arcade game slant of it. Yep. And I'm sorry, I think it's hilarious that the, uh, and I'm using my quote fingers here, creator of Pac-Man shows up and he's like, my son, and the thing stops and then just chomps him. Yeah, I, I just think it is. It's a it's an interesting concept. It it's got a little bit of that uh, last Starfighter feel to it. But uh, I'm sorry, Kevin James, Adam Sandler, Peter Dinklage is in this thing. I, Kevin James plays the president of the United States. Yes, <laughs> which I think just right there is a star. Is, yes, it, agreed. And, Although it could be a foreshadowing if Chris Christie wins the election, but. <laughs> Welcome to Politics Out Loud, <laughs> where two big guys make fun of another big guy. Uh, yeah, I, but dude, I feel like, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like Adam Sandler still has something in the tank. Um, and and I just keep waiting for it to to, to come out. Um, you know, I, he's, I feel like his last few outings have been a little bit weak. I don't know. I watched Click, which came out several, several years ago. Click was like a decade ago. Yeah, and 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 it was just kind of heart wrenching, you know. It wasn't yeah. as funny as it needed to be. And then beyond that, I guess Fifty First Dates was okay. Um, you know, it was no wedding singer, but I, I still, I always feel like these guys who had these huge hits for me, like around my college years, still have something to offer me. Right. And I keep hoping that you know that'll come around and. And uh, and and this one's got my attention just because of the uh, just because of the eighties arcade. Yes, yeah, the eighties arcade is the the hook with for me too. Um, I'm all about some South Paul, dude. Jake Gyllenhaal just crazy jacked in this movie. He is, dude. Did I'm, you look at the picture I sent you? Yes, yes, <laughs> it is ridiculous. Uh, this has that raging bull Rocky feel to it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, well, and it's it's a script by Kurt Sutter, who uh, was the the mastermind behind Sons of Anarchy, which is a show that I was a big fan of. Okay, um, he's got a real edge to him. Uh, so I, I just that alone has me intrigued. Well, I uh, I I just like these kind of movies. <laughs> I'm a sucker for as much as I don't like sports. I'm a real sucker for. Uh, sports movies because like you cut through all the bull crap and the and you know and the and you get to go kind of fast forward through it yeah so through the event itself and and there's a story behind everything so I really dig um I really dig a lot of sports movies and so I I I'm like this and you're right dude he is so jacked you know obviously he's got his flex on right there mad about something it looks like but, yeah but still yes yes um <clears throat> so that's South Paul. Uh, then July 29, Vacation. Uh, this is a reboot or a, a, a distant sequel to the Chevy Chase Vacation movies. This is Grown Up Rusty, played by Ed Helms. Um, and they're going to go, he and his wife, uh, Debbie, played by Christina Applegrade, are going to go on a cross-country trip. And in the trailer, dude, I've watched the trailer for this, and I like the fact that they are taking shots at the fact that it's a reboot and the, they make no qualms about the fact that they know that they are rebooting this remaking this whatever you want to call it 
And so in a, in a situation like this, with this kind of reboot, you kind of have to do that. If yeah. you're going to be a comedy, you've got to be willing to kind of take the piss out of yourself. And, uh, and, and so um, I, I don't know that I'll go watch. A lot of times with comedies, I don't go watch them in the movie theater. I just wait till they're on, on Netflix or on the video or whatever Likewise. To, to, to check it out. Um, but, but this trailer made me laugh numerous times. Made me laugh out loud numerous times. What I was, I was really, really surprised. Well, uh, what, what in particular do you know? Um, just the scene at the breakfast table with the kids, mm-hmm. where they're you know going back and forth making the jokes about whether it's a reboot or not. Um, that had me laughing. <laughs> um, the scene with Hannah Davis driving the the Ferrari, making fun of the old classic scene with christy brinkley yes the, the result just, of that <laughs> scene had me laughing yes, that's right is, that's right oh yeah I, that's true I, I, didn't... I laughed out loud at that um and then come on the scene with chris hemsworth where he comes into into the room with them and he's like showing them how to work the remote control for the tv and everything yes, yes. Yeah, yeah that had me laughing too um yeah, so but I will again. I'll probably wait till this is on video or that's uh, on video. Listen to me. We are products of our day, aren't we? Uh, till it's out on the Netflix or what have you to to check it out. Um, July thirty one. This is one I'm kind of torn about going to see or not. Um, Mission Impossible Brickumentary. Oh well, the Lego Brickumentary. I no. This is one that I would definitely watch. I think <laughs> that that's got me intrigued. Is this like, uh, is this a, hey, these are so cool, and this is why people think they're cool. Is this a, we're going to the factory to see how they're made? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like a, an in-depth look at the whole Lego phenomenon. Wow. See, I love stuff like that. So do I. I'm, I'd, I'm, I'd be totally down for that. Uh, but I was talking about Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Um, uh, the, What intrigues me about this is like the the bizarro IMF team. Um, yeah. That, that's, you know, because every, I was talking to Dave Jones again about this this weekend because we brought up this, this movie. <clears throat> every, it seems like every mission impossible is someone on the team betrayed us. Someone on the inside betrayed us, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and it actually looks like maybe this won't be that, you know, maybe finally we're getting some outside, Bad no, guys. it actually looks like this time around they are up against an evil mission. Right, Impossible right. Team. The, the Bizarro IMF team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, but I like. I, I'm just. I like what you said about Star Wars fans in this movie, Ersh. <laughs> I'll let you say it. Um, bottom line: Star Wars fans can't wait for this movie to release simply so we can start getting Rogue One news. <laughs> if nothing else, the Rogue One trailer. The, well, and the I teaser. think that D23 is like just a couple days after this movie releases. And so already all the fans online are speculating that we're going to start getting a ton of Rogue One news at D23 because Rogue Nation will have been released starting. Right, right. So, and maybe that's the key. To, well, yeah, it would have, it won't be released by the time we get to Comic Con, though. Comic Con's just, what, no. next weekend? Two um, weeks. Two weeks away. So, yeah, so it won't be out by then. Um, I, I mean, look, I dig these movies. I, you know, the... Dude, this has got freaking Tom Cruise hanging off the side of, like, a huge, like, C5 Galaxy jet. And he did that stunt. And he did the actual stunt. 
like I mean, props to Tom Cruise. He might be crazy, but he's. You know, to- we we talked earlier about being a staunch defender of uh, of Waterworld. Right. I gotta say, Tom Cruise as an actor and the movies that he makes. I'm a staunch defender of. I think he makes fantastic choices. I think he's always pushing the limit. He's, you know, Tom Cruise was working with directors like J.J. Abrams and Brad Bird before anybody else was. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, early in his career, he was working with guys like Oliver North, Brian De Palma, people like that. He would do his his Top Gun and then do his serious director movie. Um, you know, he's just always trying to to reinvent stuff, do something different. Like what more can I give the audience? And I really respect him for that. And he's got a very distinct running style. Yes, he does. He does. does. But you know, his movies are entertaining. Uh, What was it? Edge of tomorrow. I've not seen it. Oh, you gotta see it. I've heard so many good. I've heard so many good things about it uh, that I know I need to sit down and watch it. But studio really, I don't. I mean, they renamed the thing like three times. The marketing was horrible for it, but that movie was fantastic. It was a perfect summer movie. It's fun. It's funny. The action is great. It's got characters that you root for. Well, really it's, dug it. it's available now on the HBO Now app, so I may uh, go spin that thing I up. I highly recommend watching it. Yeah, I've, I've heard, like I say, I've heard nothing but good things. But, uh, you know, I, I like the, the Mission Impossible movies. I, I only saw two when it was in the theater, and I know that's the one that gets the worst rep of all of them. But, uh, and so I just don't remember it all that well. But the but other one. Two ones, has probably the most iconic scene of all of them in it. Which one's that? That where he's on hanging mountain? from the ropes inside the the computer room. No, that's the first one. That's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. Because they're breaking into the computer room to because he's trying to track down who betrayed him, you know. And of course, it ends okay. up being John Void or whatever. Um, but uh, no, two the the big moment in that was right at the beginning where he's mountain climbing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then he throws the, the exploding sunglasses at the screen and all. And that's, and I remember him walking in the room with the doves flying up because that was a John Woo directed movie, wasn't it? Right. Um, and and again, I'm not saying two was bad. I'm just saying, I don't remember it. I haven't seen it since it was in the movie theater. I, I really like three. The late Philip Seymour Hoffman was just, he was a villain I'd like to spend time with again, you know? Um, and, and the fourth one, the ghost protocol, I've only seen the one time, but I really enjoyed it. I love the fourth one. So, Jeremy, and that was Brad Bird doing that. Oh one. yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, Jeremy Renner was in that, wasn't he? On that yep. one, yeah. So, um, that's one I'd like to revisit again, just because I really did enjoy it. Um, so, I'm looking forward to this again. It's not something I may go to. I may not go to a theater and watch it. It may be a wait and see. You know, wait and watch. Just because a lot of times it comes down to time and money. Yeah. You know, to go see these movies, but. Uh, but that's not to say that it's not something I'm looking forward to. I really am looking forward to it. Uh, you've got a, a special mention here, Big Game. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually available now on video on demand, and it's uh, playing in a few theaters around the country. Um, Samuel L. Jackson plays President of the United States. His uh, Air Force One is shot down like over some Eastern Bloc country and, uh, or it's like Finland or something like that is shot down and, and he's being hunted 
and this kid who is a local and whose dad is like a famous hunter in the area and stuff. He's kind of out on his like rite of passage alone in the woods, kind of weekend sojourn. He comes across Samuel L. Jackson and basically keeps him alive, you know, helps him get away from all the bad guys. So oh, yeah. it just, it, it looks like, you know, it's kind of over the top and everything, but it also looks like it could be a fun action movie. Well, uh, is it, I mean, who, who did it? Who made it? Do we know? It's, uh, I don't. I don't have the the director's name off the top of my list here. Um, I think it's got. I don't. It's not a product of Hollywood, right? I think, it, I think it's a you know a foreign director who uh, had some foreign investment money that was put into it, and you know that was how he was able to get Samuel Jackson. Probably, um, it definitely has like. Um, you know, a foreign action movie kind of vibe to it, but uh, it, it looks pretty good. Um, I've yeah, I haven't watched the trailer you sent me. Is it? Do uh, you want to play it real quick? Sure. All right. You got it loaded up. Yes, sir. Here we go. Well, crap. Ad. Stupid ads. How do you have an ad in a? I know. I, it drives me crazy. I am trying to watch a commercial, but you're going to make me gonna watch, make watch a commercial, commercial before I watch the commercial. Uh, and that, and they've learned to not do the skip one so much. Here we go. Thirty thousand feet in the air. Five thousand miles from American soil. No one is safe. Someone is targeting us with a sand. I'll find you and pick you up, Mr. President. So they just blew up Air Force One. Who are you? The President of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids look at him like, what? 36 minutes ago, we got an evac distress signal from Air Force One. I'll deliver to the president. You will wire the money as planned. Where is he? He's sitting there grilling a hot dog. Bring him home. Someone helped him. Men who shot me down. They're hunting me. I got him. First, you gotta cock it. Please accept my apologies. Holy crap, this kid. This is not a good idea. We're going down. <laughs> wow. I've been betrayed today. Locked in a freezer. Ejected from the same plane twice. Yeah. I'm doing quite well. You gotta cock it, mother. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Holy crap! 
big game. Dude, that looks awesome. That looks awesome. And you should be able to get it for just a couple bucks on video on demand. Now. It's uh it's almost um Air Force One two. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but with, with Samuel L. Jackson as the uh as a Sith Lord as as the president. That's great. Well and Ray Stevenson and uh the guy who was Buffalo Bob in Silence of the Lambs. She puts the lotion in the basket. Well, that little boy man who's yeah, like he's helping like, him he out. He's supposed to be like 12. Yeah, there's a moment where he does, the little boy does like just a Jason Statham type action move. Yeah. You know, so uh, jumping off that cliff or whatever. So, yeah, this I'm on board. I'll check this out for sure. Definitely worth checking out, man. Oh, gee whiz. That's some good stuff right there. That that uh, that gets me going. That, <laughs> uh, what you know, uh, you gotta miss the mid-budget action flick in some ways because nowadays they try to do what they did with Jurassic World. You know, everything's got to be bigger and better. So yeah, these action movies are all like Fast Seven or what have you. Not criticizing that, but just saying that there's something to be said about those old school. Where you know they, you know, the budget was good enough to to look good, but uh, but man. Well, they still make those. Luke Besson puts out like one of those a year. Oh with, yeah, yeah. But it's you know he was doing it with J Jason Statham for a while there with all the Transporter movies. Now you know he's doing it. Basically, that's what the Liam Neeson Taken movies have been. Right, right, the last right. Last few years. Yep. Um, he's had Clive Owen doing them. Kevin Costner's done some of them. You know, they're, I call it, they're like these Euro action movies where yes. they're not made for a lot. You get that one kind of in his 40s, late 40s, maybe early 50s, but can still pull off the action stuff like movie star guy and throw them in it. And, uh, you know, they, there's, you can still find one or two of those a year. They're generally released like around February or October. Yeah, nice. That's true. I wasn't thinking about that. I just, you know, but I mean, look, remember the days when it was like, well, is this an Arnold movie, a Sylvester movie? Yeah. Is it, is it perchance a Chuck Norris movie? You know, then you throw in your Jean Claude's and your Steven Seagal's. It just seemed like it was a fist to your face every other minute. But, yeah. um, uh, but good stuff, dude. Eric, I'll pull the curtain back and tell people you do the lion's share of the work on these past the corn segments, and of course, this whole show. And uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough, man. I love it. I love talking about movies. So, I'm, it's, yeah, it, I, it's my pleasure. I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that you invite me on to do this. So. Dude, it's a blast. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? And uh, I look forward to. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you after that weekend, man, of Ant Man and and uh, and and the stakes are on, my friend. That's right. <laughs> runaway train the we'll be in touch we'll be in touch now are you prepping for comic-con right now is that what's happening yeah i got uh we got a short week because of the holiday this week but That's basically right. monday through thursday it's you know getting the the last minute things out to san diego and then i um i fly out on the 7th on tuesday the 7th and a lot of our listeners, of course, know you, uh, you know, the Star Wars work you do with Delray, but I imagine Delray has a, a much bigger presence than just Star Wars at things yeah, like Comic-Con. Yeah, we actually have two booths at San Diego. We have a huge Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. It's basically a whole block. Right. Uh, and Delray is a huge part of that. And then 
You can find me at our Star Wars satellite booth over in the main Star Wars pavilion, um, where a lot of the licensees will have booths there, and we've got our Delray Star Wars booth over there. Well, make sure, if you're out at Comic-Con, to swing by the Star Wars pavilion to the Delray booth and say hello to Erish and the gang yes. there. And uh, holler, sh- just give him a shout, pass the corn. And Please do. And we've got Christy Golden there. Alan D. Foster will be there. Chuck Wendig will be there. We've got freebies throughout the weekend, books and posters. And we'll have books for sale. And, yeah, it should be a great time. Awesome, awesome. I look forward to seeing any Geek Out Loud listeners. That yes, I hope. Come by. And I hope you do. I hope you do. We'll have at least two or three there, I believe. So. I'll throw some of this ones for Steve's out there also. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, I'll try not to leave my phone in the car so I can do this one's for Irish as much as possible from now well, on. They, they announced this weekend the big uh, the big Star Wars Force Awakens panel will be uh, Friday at 5.30 Pacific Time, 8.30 Eastern Time. Nice. Well, that'll, will... be the, that'll be the big panel with J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and... I think we're all kind of expecting that we'll see a new trailer or footage or something like that. Well, the first two we've seen, they've specifically referred to as teasers. And so I believe it's getting time when you're about five months out, like we will be able to to put out that official trailer. So we shall see. We shall see. Well, you can follow Arish at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter and uh, and give him a shout out over that way. You can also follow Geek Out Loud at Geek Out Loud. I'm at Steve Glosson and follow the whole Goliverse at Goliverse. Thanks to everyone uh, who chips in by supporting us directly at patreon.com slash geekoutloud and for everyone that uses the Amazon links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Hey, uh, thanks to Audible, man. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Head over that way for your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Over 150,000 titles to choose from in every single genre. You can't go wrong with Audible.com, so check them out. AudibleTrial.com slash geekout. And the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com, and there's a Facebook over at facebook.com slash geekoutloud. Get in touch with us any of those ways, and uh, we definitely look forward to getting your feedback and your emails. And, uh, Erish, I'm sure we'll do this again sooner than later, my friend. Oh, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for Erish Schoenweiss. I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you guys next time on Geek Out Loud. Hey, Erish. Hey, Steve. Pass the corn. Pass the corn, brother. Hey, Steve. Hey, Irish. I'll be back.